May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The word of God we'll consider today is recorded in the fourth chapter of John. We'll hear again just one of those verses. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Here adds the text. It's a great honor and privilege to speak to you this morning, and may the Lord uh, bless our time together here today. In Christ Jesus, who has given us living water, who invites us to share it with the people in our lives, dear fellow redeemed. His name was Dennis, and though he thought he was a Christian, he really wasn't. We worked together in 1986. Whenever the topic of religion came up, Dennis was quick to say that while he attended church as a child, he no longer attended as an adult. Well, I'm a Christian, he insisted, but I don't need to go to church to do that. I do my best. That's all that God expects. Sam also worked on our crew. Sam, on the weekends, was a professional saddle bronc rider. He would travel all over the country to compete in the, in the professional uh, circuit. Sam also considered himself to be a Christian, but he didn't go to church either. Sam had no problem living with his girlfriend. Both men believed they were Christians. But what really is Christianity? Well, it's more than having a vague notion that there is a God. Christianity focuses on the work and the words of Jesus. To be a Christian means to trust Him and to follow Jesus alone. But the two men I just mentioned took the name Christian and then held to their own ideas of what that meant. You probably know a few Sam's and Dennis's who are caught in the same trap. They think they are Christians, but the religion that they follow is a religion that says, whatever I choose to believe, that's right. What does the soul of a Dennis or a Sam look like? Well, they are souls who are dying or may already be dead. When you hear their faulty ideas of Christianity, it means that they're trying to fill a spiritual void in their life with the wrong things. Let's see how Jesus deals with the problem when he offers living water for thirsting souls. Picture the woman at Jacob's well. She could have stepped off the set of a soap opera because that's what her life had become. She had a cover girl face with a covered-up past. Behind the well-placed cosmetics, you don't need all the eyeshadow and blush in the world cannot hide the truth. Sin had deceived her, broken her as well. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to figure out that a string of five failed romances had left her empty. On the outside, she appeared happy. On the inside, she was hopeless. 
In a few moments, her covered-up life would be revealed and changed forever. It was the middle of a hot day, high noon, an odd time to come to the well. Why did she come at that time when everyone else stayed close to the shade of home? Because at noon, no one would be there. Nobody there to ignore her. Nobody there to shame her. No one there to talk behind her back. And she must have caught her breath as she spotted a stranger seated beside the well. A man, a Jewish man. Jewish men did not speak to women in public. Besides, the mutual hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans was deep-rooted and well-known. And perhaps at first she said no, he said nothing. He just watched as a now nervous woman lowered the water bucket into the depths of Jacob's well. A hundred feet of rope went through her hands as it descended and the bucket plunged into the cool waters below. When the rope felt taut, she hoisted it up again, hand over hand, until it crested the mouth of the well. And she was ready to leave as quietly as she came, when suddenly a voice stopped her in her tracks. Could I have a drink of water, please? In disbelief, she wheeled around. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And the stranger replied, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water, huh? Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? And pointing down at the well, Jesus answered, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Living water that you can drink and never be thirsty again. Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. There was interest but not understanding. She had come for regular water, but what she really needed was something for her soul. Her soul was dying of thirst and she didn't even know it. And so Jesus helped her to see her need. He said, go call your husband. But the woman fired back, I have no husband. And she was right. You have all said that you ha I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. That's when the thoughts started ricocheting around in her mind. She had not come here to be lectured about her lifestyle by some total stranger. She might have left right then and there. Instead, she was amazed. Sir, I perceive, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she turned the topic to religion. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain 
and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Sound familiar? It's her remark is merely a twist on the same lines that you heard at the beginning of the sermon. It's pretty much what Dan, Dennis or Sam would have said. I believe in God. I believe that a Messiah is coming. And then proceeded to follow their own ideas of what that meant. When people do that, they are trying to satisfy their soul's thirst with the wrong things. Apart from Christ, our souls are like sieves. No matter what you pour into them, it runs out the other side. Whether it's five failed romances or 50 of them, whether it's one live-in boyfriend or a consecutive list of them, they will never satisfy the thirst inside. How much money or pleasure or success or romance would it take to satisfy your soul? The answer, there is not enough in the whole world. This is a thirst that only God can quench. Drink this water, Jesus explained. You will never be thirsty again. What is living water? Well, it's a message. And we need to be very clear about what the message is. Luther said, the law is our constant companion, but the gospel is an infrequent visitor. 24 hours of every day, the law measures and threatens us. The last thing this woman wanted or needed to hear was what or needed was for Jesus, Jesus to add his voice to the chorus of people look, who looked down on her. Jesus knew her past. He knows your past and mine as well. And the law, which is our 24-hour companion, taunts us with thoughts of judgment so much that we do everything in our power to ignore or suppress it. Living water is not law, it's gospel. Not judgment, but deliverance. It's about God's amazing mercy. Instead of punishing us for our sins, God sent his son to take our place. Jesus lived a perfect life for us. He became your substitute and mine and was cursed with our sins upon the cross. Jesus paid, for the, paid the price of your five broken marriages, your live-in boyfriend, your love of money, your secret lust, your pursuit of selfish pleasure. Every sin was transferred to his cross. Every sin, without one exception, is paid for in full. And that's the water that quenches thirsting souls. When you know that your sins have been taken away, that your past has been wiped clean, that's when you have peace in your heart. You don't have to feel guilty because God has forgiven you in Christ. And once you understand what that means, then you become a fountain that simply overflows to the people around you. The woman with a covered up life becomes a woman of faith and a missionary of Christ. 
The infrequent guest, the gospel in all its sweetness, caused her to forget her water pot. The very reason she came to the well and run back to town to share the message with others. And the Bible tells us many believe because of the word that the woman spoke to them. That's one of our purposes as Christians. That's your purpose as a congregation. We are to be a well where people can drink living water. Keep that in mind the next time you cross paths with a Sam or a Dennis in your life. Realize that they are dying and thirsting souls and you have the water that can quench that thirst forever. Amen.